Welcome to the Dr. Dad's Podcast, where a naturopath and chiropractor come together each week to share lifestyle medicine, health advice, and inspiring interviews with some of the top experts in health and wellness, bringing you the latest in nutrition, exercise, ancient healing, toxins and detox, your microbiome, mindset, hormones, brain, and much more. Stay tuned. We're going to teach you how to experience growth daily. Hey everybody, Dr. Dad's coming at you. This is Dr. David Wardy. Dr. Nick, it's been a couple weeks, my buddy. Buddy, yeah, this lockdown has kind of got us a little isolated from the Dr. Dad's podcast. I know, we kind of fell out of our groove, Yeah. but today we have an amazing guest. I'm super excited. Um, so I'm going to give this guy's bio in a second, but you know, you and me were chatting about trying to get some more guests on, and I was thinking about some individuals in my life that have made a massive impact on me and how, you know, there's just some people in this world that if you, you know, we were talking about this, I was talking to my guest, uh, the guest today about this, but you just surround yourself with these people and they, and they lift you, right? And you learn from them and they make you a better person. And so Andrew uh, Hitchings is one of those people. So today's guest is uh, Andrew Hitchings and I'm going to give a quick bio on him and then uh, we're going to get right into it. So Andrew is a longtime friend of mine. I think I've known Andrew for, oof, buddy. It's probably been like, what, 10 years? Um, he's a small business owner now in Denver, Colorado. Uh, he's done amazing things in his life. Uh, his journey has taken him from childhood in rural Missouri to West Point, uh, frontline combat in Baghdad, Harvard Business School, uh, career in management consulting, and now he owns his own business. Uh, he's also been blessed to travel the world by motorcycle, visiting 80 two countries on two wheels incredible uh, i'm going to make sure that we link his uh blog spot in the end so you guys can see his pictures he's taken all over the world so this guy has experienced some serious trials and achievements in his life and today i really want to get into mindset and talk a little bit about about the individual that he is and how he's been able to accomplish the things he has in his life and have the successes that he has. You know, one real quick uh, before, before I uh, get going here, I want to just tell a quick story about Andrew. So, you know, Andrew is one of those guys that once you get to know him, kind of like you and me and Nick, I mean, we are just like best friends right, right away. Right. Mm -hmm. So I remember meeting Andrew and it was, it wasn't very different, man. Like, honestly, I think we started talking on Facebook and then we met at the gym one day and then like, we were like best friends from that, from that point forward. But when you get to know this individual and you, you look at what he, just the way he goes about his life, man. And, um, he, he's very interesting. Whenever I think of Andrew, he's, he's that guy that no matter what he says he's going to do, he just does it. It's kind of like life is self-serve. And if he just sets his mind on something, he knows he's going to get it done. It's not a question of if it's just when. Um, and literally I've watched him be that person from the time I've met him to, to present day. So incredible, incredible human being. Andrew, what's up, my brother? Hey man, Dave, that was the, that was the nicest intro I've ever had. That's very kind of you. Thank you, man. I appreciate it. I love you, man. I'm excited right. to have you on here today. Well, I'm honored to be a guest. Uh, this is good, quite a, quite a, quite an honor and, a, and an experience for me. I have to say I've, I've never done this before. Uh, I'm no Tony Robbins, but I will try to lift up, li live up to that introduction. Well, he's, he's no Tony Robbins, but he's a Christian Bale. As, as <laughs> yes. You're going to want to watch this video afterwards, by the way. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah that's, awesome. that's Andrew's doppelganger. He's Christian yeah. Bale. So, Andrew, I mean, kind of take us real quick, man, uh, on a Cliff Notes version of where you're at now and then uh, how you ended up there. Uh, you know, briefly, if you can just take us through a little bit. Yeah, so um, happy to do that. So now I live in Denver, Colorado, as you mentioned. About uh, a month ago, my wife, Marcella, and I bought uh, a small business here that uh, installs uh, home ventilation and attic ventilation, just kind of a really basic but, uh, you know, necessary business here in, in, in Denver, which is great. Uh, before this, uh, we took a nice long honeymoon about six months long and rode a motorcycle through uh, sub-Saharan Africa, uh, the Middle East, and uh, all of Europe. Um, before that, I spent some time in management consulting, uh, about six years working uh, for a large company and helping with energy 
consulting and just kind of traveling all over the world trying to optimize uh, businesses, which was really a great experience. Um, that I, I was able to get into that via business school. So yeah, as you mentioned, I went to Harvard Business School before that. And uh, the way I got into Harvard was uh, just a really good military career. Uh, had some really great experiences, had some really fantastic soldiers that helped keep me safe. And, uh, and, and we, we did some great things together um, and uh, allowed me to tell a story to earn a spot in a good business school. Um, and then before that, man, I, I uh, you know, spent some time in the military and uh, went to West Point prior to that, all coming from my Missouri grassroots. So that kind of walks it back, uh, you know, a little bit, you know, a little bit back in time. It's been a journey, to be, to be honest. So when I met you, brother, you had just, you already served your tour in Baghdad, right? And you got stationed in El Paso at Fort Bliss. And yep. you, you got in charge, you were a company commander of how many soldiers? Uh, we had about 85. 85. 16 tanks, 16 tanks and 85 guys. Old Ironsides, right? Yeah, that's the division there in Fort Bliss. <clears throat> so I remember you telling me some stories about when you were in Baghdad, man, about how when you were doing your tour, every single unit had lost men except for yours when you had done your tour. And I remember asking you why that was. Would you mind spending some time there? Yeah, more than happy to, man. I think, um, I think we had a really, really successful tour. Uh, it was my first and only overseas tour. I was 23 years old at the time. And, um, we were in East Baghdad um, from October of 2006 until January of 2008. And uh, the, the peak of the war, um, because President Bush had a surge going on, uh, the peak of the war was July of 2007, when we were there and we were getting tired. And also uh, the most dangerous province in the entire war with the highest death rate was East Baghdad, where we were driving around every day. Um, and we had some really, uh, really crazy trying times um, that we did about uh, 550 missions, went out the gate 550 times, driving around, uh, trying to keep our guys safe and still accomplish what we were there to do. Um, and it was, yeah, we, we, uh, we were very, very lucky. I think it was a combination of um, having fantastic soldiers, um, creating, creating an environment in which we could all communicate every day about what we had seen, what we had felt, what we were worried about, and how we could kind of help one another get through it. Uh, and then it was just being focused the whole time. I mean, it's just like every time you go out the gate, you'd want to make sure that you had analyzed recent intelligence, plotted your course, um, made sure everyone was informed, and just be prepared to be vigilant. Um, and so we just had some really good habits. It was pretty wild, pretty wild. So I'd like to spend some time there. You say focus like it's just no big deal, but I know you very well. And when you say focus, it's like something completely different to you, man. I mean, you were in charge of how many soldiers in your unit when you guys would go on your, your little uh, runs? How many? So <clears throat> I, had th I had three units of 15 guys each at that time. So we'd, we'd have four, four Humvees um, and we'd roll out in teams of, of 15 to 16. And, uh, and yeah, and, and, and so we, we just had to stay really focused. I mean, if you think about it, you're in, you're in the hot July heat, uh, wearing 80 pounds worth of body armor. Um, you know, every inch of you is covered because of, you know, should you have an explosion at any point, you got to protect your skin the best you can. And we're just burning down, but it, you know, kind of every day you'd want to make sure that you're the type of leader that keeps the guys focused. I mean. Um, the second you let your guard down, the second you get complacent, you know, bad things can really happen. Um, it was, it was one of those things where, where it was almost surreal. We, we'd go out the gates every once in a while and, um, have plotted our course and there's the common routes that everybody would go down. And then there was the not so common routes that we would take longer to get there, but you're less likely to run into trouble. And our, my guys and I, we talked every day about how to use the smartest routes. And there was a lot of times when we were under time constraints and we could have made a different decision. And we'd literally see a convoy go down the road one way and we'd say, nope, we're not going to do that. We're going to stick to our plan. And we'd go down into a neighborhood and take the longer route and 
sure enough, there an explosion would happen and we'd lose soldiers. But it was never my convoy. We um, we always we always really stuck true to what we needed to do. We stayed really focused. We tried to make sure that we um, we were all healthy and and present, and uh, it worked out really well. It's incredible, man. How old were you when you were having to take on that kind of responsibility? Uh, I mean, I got my first platoon right after West Point. I was 20, 22. So I would have, uh, you know, my combat time was when I was 23 years old. Oh my gosh, man. You're just like a kid, right? I mean, <laughs> honestly, man. Like, they, I mean, honestly, man, when you look back at that now, because you're how old now, Andrew? Let's not talk about that. <laughs> no really you look good man you take good care of yourself how old are you right now uh 37 so that was a ways back man i mean looking back now do you think that do you think like man i was young or did you feel capable even back then where it was like- I, ha- I i felt capable i mean i don't know why i think four years at west point at the academy puts you through so many trials and tribulations of leadership in itself um you know, I, uh, I grew a ton while I was in the military very fast. Um, but I, I think the thing is, is that it, if you feel incapable and you put yourself in a position where you feel incapable and you don't have the right mindset to succeed, then, you know, failure is going to be coming, knocking on the door. And, and I, I just always felt like um, we were always in control. Um, and uh, I think I was fortunate because I had... I had friends who I feel are just as competent and capable capable as I was, but but they had a, a bad few days, and it can it can really shake you. Um, it can shake you really bad. And uh, I never had one of those incidents, and so my 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 courage and my confidence just never really wavered. Um, call it call it fate, call it some sort of internal instinct. I don't know, but it was uh, turned out well. So me, Nick, go ahead, man. I can see. Yeah, you I'm, I'm just curious, like what? Obviously, the the training had a huge impact on your ability to stay focused and be prepared and and adopt some level of certainty in the in the kind of uh, you know outings that you would have uh, with the pre planning and being very proactive. But I'm curious, like, did you have any other episodes of leadership, uh, you know, through high school and whatnot? Maybe like, did you play sports? Like, what what sort of rallied rallied you to to be able to you know, prepare yourself for West Point. Um, oh, yeah, yes. That, I've heard this story. I'm excited. <laughs> Wait, there's a story? I was going to say, I don't know what, you're t- what, what I'm supposed to say. <laughs> no, you, um, you share. Tell me what you, to- uh, what you shared with me about the kind of kid you were in high school. Um, I was bullied in high school, actually. Um, I uh, didn't have many friends. Um, I had uh, one one friend whose name was Tim Mendoza, this big old huge redheaded kid who was mean as could be, and he always had my back. But um, I mean, in high school, I was a bit of an outsider because um, I was a bit of a nerdy guy and uh, didn't hang out with the cool kids, uh, didn't drink with them much, if at all, no, never, never actually. And so I was kind of I was bullied a little bit, and uh, I just kind of got this mindset. I, I, you know, I found some courage to say, you know what, I don't necessarily care what you guys think. I'm going to do something bigger and better. Um, and that really kind of set me up to go to West Point. And when I was there at, at the academy, I was I was scared to death because I thought, man, I'm going to fail out in like six weeks. Like I guarantee you, they're going to send me home. And you know, there's lots of hazing going on, and the academics are pretty rigorous. And um, you know, I, I just said, you know, if I worked hard enough to get here, there's no way I'm going to quit. I'm going to at least go down swinging. And then, uh, you know, when grades came out and they were surprisingly better than I thought they'd be, then it was just like a huge boost of confidence. And, you know, there, w- there would have been no reason to quit. I just, uh, just kept pushing through harder, you know, and, um, and, st- and came out on the other end much stronger. Um, yeah, I don't know if that really answers your question. I think it. I think it's just been a series of. I think it's been a series of steps in life that have helped me to kind of find my courage and to develop this confidence over time. To know that, you know, as as Dave mentioned, life is like self serve. It is. It is what you make of it. You know, and and there's no reason to back down. Mm-hmm. Well, for so many people that that uh, that put obstacles up in their mind or their you know their physical space or they make up excuses, uh, it sounds like you've replaced 
excuses for you know uh, focus planning and direction and and trust and and uh, and all those pieces. I mean, these are lifestyle skills that you acquired at a young enough age that you've applied to many different aspects of your life. So, uh, I think my next question is: Is it what's there must have been a massive transition coming out of you know a tour to come back home. And what did you bring with you into the next venture in your life? Um, I mean, I felt, I think coming back safely, I felt very blessed. Um, of course, I think you kind of go through phases, right? I think we all know that veterans that come back from, contact, from combat have, uh, have some struggles depending upon what they've experienced. And I, I went through a, a short stint of that. Um, luckily I did, didn't last too long. Um, but I, I think I brought back a, a, a new level of courage, like a new level of confidence that said, you know, I've, I've survived some really crazy stuff <laughs> and, and it's like, well, what's the next, what's the next big challenge? You know, I mean, if you can conquer one thing, then you can find something else that's going to make you stronger. And so then you just set your sight, your sights higher. Um, so, so if anything, I, I think I came back, I think I came back very humbled at knowing how poorly things could have turned out and how fragile life is and how fragile our emotions are. Um, but, but if you can weather that and you have good fortune, you know, you just turn it into something else. Right. Mm -hmm. I mean, what a Am gift, I? man. No, yeah, no, I'm, li I'm, I'm, I'm listening to you and I'm thinking like, <clears throat> You were tested at a very young age, right? And that built, mm -hmm. like you said, that gave you courage, that gave you confidence to like, okay, if I can take care of this stuff, then like what's next? Like, like you just bring it on, right? Yeah. I remember when I met you, I think we had maybe known each other for a year and I go over, you invited me and Clarissa over to, to eat dinner or something and we're hanging out while you're, while you're grilling and you're like, yeah, I'm just going to apply to a bunch of Ivy League schools and I'm just going to go to like Harvard or something probably. And I was just looking at you like, oh yeah, just like that. And, and But you just had this confidence like, yeah, pretty much just like that. And then you did it, man. Like I remember just within a couple of weeks or I don't know, it was a couple of months, you were like, oh yeah, I got accepted to all these schools. And then it was like, okay, on to the next thing, right? And kind of take us down that route, man. Like, so then you headed to school, you went to school. <laughs> Yeah, and just talk a little bit about that. Um, yeah, man, that was weird. I'm not going to lie. I, I was totally surprised by that. But it's like, if you're going to go to business school, you know, you don't just Google. I mean, at least in my, in my mind, it wasn't worth just Googling, like, you know, MBA program near me, right? It's just like my fingers naturally gravitate toward best business school in the world. And I'm just like, hmm, that's interesting. You know, <laughs> why not apply to that one and that one and that one? Um, and of course, of course, you know, in the back of your mind, you gotta, you gotta have a fail safe. And so I applied to a few other ones, but I thought, you know, why the hell not? Right? Like, you're never gonna know until you try. And uh, yeah, I turned on, turned on study mode and focused on the GMAT for about three weeks and somehow squeaked by and um, had a good story. So yeah, it, it, it literally, I, I think if there's been ever a point in my life where I just uh, instinctually decide, instinctively decided to just make a big leap, um, it was then. And it was because I used nothing to lose, you know? So why not? So what was that experience like, man? You got, you jumped ship, you left El Paso, you went up to the Northeast. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think, it was interesting. I mean, going from very conservative rural Missouri to a very liberal advanced uh, school like that was very eye-opening to say the least. Um, <laughs> uh, it was, it was a great experience. I think, I think there I, I um, really uh, dealt with uh, a challenge that continued to, I struggled with for years after that night. I mean, I, I'd sit in a room at, so Harvard Business School, essentially you have uh, 90 people in a, they're called sections or cohorts, where you sit in the same room with the same people every day for for, uh, with 90 people. And it's supposed to create a real comforting learning environment where you feel like you can speak openly and uh, have good conversations, strong, like, you know, deep conversations, but also really argue with one another 
state your, your case. It's the, that's the whole learning model is being able to bring a lot of uh, really smart people in the same room and basically have them debate about business stuff. And I was super intimidated, man. I, I think I don't ever, I didn't ever really get over it that I was afraid to talk in class. Um, when I was surrounded by people who had so much business experience and I had none and they were, uh, clearly more articulate than I was, uh, you know, just like every time I would, uh, I would start to talk real confidently and then my, my voice would just kind of trail off or I'd kind of choke up a little bit and it, it had nothing to do with the words that were coming out of my mouth. It was purely a confidence issue. Um, and uh, if it was really frustrating to me because it's like, hey, man, I've done this. I've done much harder stuff than this. And who cares what they <laughs> what they think? But truth, truth be told, man, it was just something that was really hard for me. Um, and it, uh, I, th I think it improved over time. I found ways to kind of, you know, be very, very um, conscious of my breathing and my heart rate and think through what I was going to say so that what I, you know, when it was time to speak, I was... I was uh, coherent, <laughs> but uh, you know, it was tough. I mean, HBS was not, it was not the best time for me. I had some, some personal struggles in my personal life as well that made it hard. Um, but uh, yeah, yeah, still glad I did it. So you say that, man, and I'm thinking like confidence, come on, Hitch, that, like that's all you, you're all confidence. But so it, when I hear you say that, it's, it's kind of, um, it's a little bit relieving, man, because it's like, oh, yeah, he is somewhat human. Like, he does have these <laughs> – he has these periods of doubt sometimes or he gets scared or he, you know, like things like that. And and I'm sure, like, just like any other human being, like, we have those ups and down moments, right? Where, we're, where, yeah. where, where that courage, as you say, uh, has to come forward where you push through some of these things. And um, so talk about getting out of HBS, man, because that's another big – piece of the puzzle and where that took you yeah so i mean <clears throat> again it was like well i i um i did an internship is a two it's a, the business school was a two-year program so i did an internship in between with harley davidson and I, I kind of thought man i love motorcycles i just really want to go and work in a motorcycle company and you know harley davidson is so iconic and i did a, an internship there and it was great but I, I didn't feel like I really grew that much. And so when I came back, um, I, I, I was looking for a full-time job after graduation and I applied to uh, a handful of, you know, really popular and well-known reputable consulting firms. And uh, <clears throat> I actually, cause I, whenever I was, you know, applying for my internships, I was actually going through a divorce at the time while in business school. And that's a whole nother story. But uh, I guess this is story time, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but uh, I, I had struggled with that because my first, my first summer I was so, so busy, um, you know, and so torn up over that, that stuff that uh, I didn't get any job offers. And the Harley-Davidson thing was kind of a blessing because I didn't have any other options. And so then coming back after the summer, I had kind of built up more confidence. And I just said, I'm going to apply for the best consulting firms I possibly can. And, uh, and, and was right, I was right back in the saddle, man, and landed a bunch of really good job opportunities. Ended up um, working for McKinsey and company for, for six years and I think had a really good, really good experience, learned a ton, um, climbed up the ladder for a while, and then um, <clears throat> decided that uh, I wanted to do something different. But uh, it's, uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a tough place to work. It's very demanding, a lot of travel, um, but, but great, phenomenal people. Uh, really, really enjoyed working with great people that challenged me every day and, you know, um, contrast that to my experience with Harley Davidson or, or many other jobs I could have taken. I feel like uh, my time as a consultant, I was intellectually growing every day and, uh, and challenged every day. And, and still, I mean, you know, I had a lot of leadership lessons to learn um, through that experience, which was, which was fantastic as well. And you were traveling the world quite a bit this time, right? Yeah, yeah. I did some work in Singapore. Um, did some renewable like solar work in Spain and the UK. And spent a bunch of time, spent about six months in Australia uh, working with companies down there. Uh, it was fantastic, but it, uh, it kind of, you know, I got burnt out over a while, after a while. 
um, and, uh, and and it was, it was about time for a change eventually. So, so let's talk about your motorcycle stuff because this is <laughs> this is where no because I want to spend some time here because like legit I mean logistically what you had to do to travel eighty two countries is pretty amazing and I and I think a lot of your past of being in the military and you know all the stuff you you've done in the in the past decade or so kind of helped set you up for that. To, to do it so well, man. I mean, it's just methodical when you take these trips, how fast you, you speed through these things, but you took two trips, right? To do this. Uh, it's been a lot, man. I did, I did one stint right after business school where I shipped the bike. I think my big first international trip was this one in 2013. I shipped, uh, my bike down to Argentina and rode, uh, kind of like the J route up and around um, the western side of South America and wound up in Colombia. I think I did that for about seven or eight weeks. Um, and then I shipped the bike back home. Uh, I did a trip with my dad and my brother uh, over Christmas break one time where we rode from Missouri down to Panama. So riding through Central America, which was not the most pleasant place to be, but, uh, but we got it done. Um, I've done a handful of small trips here and there, but uh, I took two real big ones. One was about a seven month trip around the world you've probably seen a lot of people have seen long way around which is where ewan mcgregor and his friend charlie borman wrote bmws around the world i think in 2004 uh and i saw that route and it just looked phenomenal so uh i rode that very similar route i think in 2017 where i uh, rode up to toronto and shipped the bike to lisbon and spent about six weeks riding around europe um and then i crossed into Russia, rode across Russia into Kazakhstan, Kyrgyzstan, and then up through Mongolia, and then shipped it from Mongolia to Anchorage and then rode home from there. And then, uh, like I mentioned, and then this last time, you know, Africa has always been a dream of mine to motorcycle. And it just the thought of like riding around and seeing giraffes on the side of the road and dodging elephants seemed like a really cool time. <laughs> so, so we decided for our honeymoon, Let's go ride Africa. So we did that. And um, it's, it's been a blast. I've been truly blessed. I've been safe. You know, I mean, I've probably clocked probably 80,000 miles on motorcycles in the last few years and never had a spill, never had a close call, uh, never lost anything significant. Um, I think, like you mentioned, it goes back to the, some of the military training of just being very conscious of where you are, what your surroundings are, what equipment you need, how you need to plan. And it's all worked out very well. It's been a it's been an absolute blessing in my life. Wow. As you're telling that story, I remember two things. One, didn't Ewan McGregor? Uh, he he posted on one of your Instagram pics when you took that trip that was similar to his. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And the other one is, I remember you sent me a picture of one of the Airbnbs you had to stay at. It's in some random city, like in the Middle East, one time. And it looked like a bunch of bricks, like just, it did not look like a great place. So like you had to stay in some pretty interesting places overnight and you even had to pitch a tent quite a bit on these trips. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it was. I mean, I, I feel like the thing about, the thing about motorcycling to me is that like you experience everything, you feel everything, you smell the air, you feel the heat. You know, when you, when you climb an altitude, it feels colder. Um, you can see everything around you. And to me, that heightened level of, of, of exposure that, yeah, I mean, I wouldn't even call it higher risk because I'm confident enough and I've, I've, I'm practiced enough to where I'm not too worried about the risks, but just the general experience is like, it's just the next level. And, and then I kind of think, well, you know, I could stay in fancy hotels and do this, or I could kind of live out in the countryside and experience what it's like to be a local person and take the border crossing that's not jammed full of traffic, you know, and take this road that is a lot less traveled. Um, and that's the thing I love about motorcycling is that it, it gives you the, the ability to just put yourself out there and see what comes and, and you just got to navigate it, you know? And yeah, you're right. I mean, I, I stayed in some some sketchy places <laughs> from time to time. But I mean, again, it's like, you just got, you just got to be cognizant of where you are and who the people are around you. And, um, but I, I honestly think, you know, people always ask me like, what's your favorite, what's your favorite place? And 
I could narrow it down to three, but I think the thing I've learned is it's not so much like what places I really love. It's more about people, man. It's like we have this internal fear of other cultures and other places. And it's one thing to like say, oh, I'm going to go and climb on a motorcycle and go ride somewhere. But then there's the people element of it. But, and like one thing that really comes to mind is, uh, I mean, I've got so many motorcycle stories, but one time I, we were riding into, I was riding into Russia and I had this coworker of mine who was from Moscow. And he said, man, Andrew, don't, whatever you do, don't ride through the countryside in Russia. It's so dangerous. And I was like, really? It is? And he said, yeah, the people out there, they will, they will stab you for a bottle of vodka. Don't, it's so dangerous. Don't do it. And I was like, okay, well, I'm going to do it anyway. <laughs> and so, so the first day I woke up with these guys from the UK and we're riding through the countryside and we're in the middle of nowhere and we stop for lunch and we walk in and we're clearly outsiders and this gentleman comes up and he, uh, he's, he can see that we don't know how to read anything on the menu. This is not a place that has the menu translated. And he says, hey guys, I'll, let me help you order something. So he just orders a bunch of food. And we are super thankful because we're cold and hungry and we eat it. And we don't even know what it was, to be honest. But then as he got up to leave, he just he walked up and he said, hey, by the way, I, I bought your meal. Welcome to Russia. And it's like we're in the countryside where someone has told me it's super dangerous. And it, it creates this fear of people. And it's not like that, man. It's not like that at all. Um, I, I, found, I found everywhere I went, people were far more friendly than what most people would give them credit for. You know, um, th there's an element of being careful, but you should also trust people. I think that, I think humans in general have, you know, good nature. So I digress. I can't, I can't help but feel like this is such a, an important message for the time that we're in. I mean, we're, we're in the middle of, you know, a global chaos. And all we're hearing left, right, and center is like, don't do that, don't do that. How dare you say this? Or, you know, and the message is just, you know, have your own experience and yeah. just get out of the, the dogma of what people are telling you and, and you know, trust, trust the process. And man, like, I, I got a question for you. You know, you, you started this conversation of like, you know, this question of confidence in yourself and yet you defied the logic of what it means to be confident to, you know, pretty much everyone who's, who's going to listen to this because most people haven't done, you know, a quarter of what you've done. Um, what is like the young version of you think of you now? You know, like if you could go back and go like, here's me, you know, the geeky kid or whatever in high school that, you know, had this, you know, tough guy or whatever that sort of looked out for him to like, what does that young guy think of you and where you're at now? Ah, man, that's tough. Uh, I would think, I, I would think that the young guy would be very curious. I mean, like what, like what allows you, you know, what, what is going to happen along this journey that transforms you into, into that? I mean, you know, uh, in, in my high school in rural Missouri, it's one of the most poverty stricken places in the state and Missouri is not a real thriving state at this point. And um, I think of, I graduated with 94 people and I think maybe only, I think less than five of us went to a four year college. And so it was just, it was just almost unheard of to get on this type of track. Uh, and I think the younger me would just be super curious about what's, what's the road ahead look like, you know? Awesome. Mm -hmm. So I want to I want to dial back and talk about fear again, man. Because the question I actually had for you, following all the stuff we're talking about, is what does that word mean to you, man? Like, w does that even play into your world? Fear. Um, it's you know it's it's been a while since I've felt it. Um, I think I think the only true feel that I the only true fear that I ever feel is potentially losing a loved one. Um, you know, the people that we really count on and the relationships that we truly value, I think that would, that would resonate with me as a, as a, as a true feeling. Um, as far as, 
what I do and looking out for myself, it doesn't. It, it honestly doesn't. Marcel and I just bought a business, and I think that um, every day I walk into it just knowing that things are going to happen and decisions are going to be made, and we know they're going to be the right decisions. And if they're not the right decisions, we're going to learn from it quickly, and we're going to keep rolling. And there's just there's, there's no reason to fear. I mean, what's going to happen? We're going to weather it. We're going to survive it, and we're going to be better on the other side. It, to, to be honest, it doesn't. I think I've trained my mind over time to know that there's this noise in the background that is fear, but there's no reason to listen to it. I mean, you know, I, I find that Marcella always asks me, she's like, Andrew, what, what makes you tick? Why do you wake up so early in the morning and do what you do? And why do you work out? And what, like, why do you draw, just are you driven all the time? And I, I honestly, like, I just always want to be better and i find it i guess i just really have a stoic mentality about life i mean like seneca said you know he who indulges in empty fears um creates real fears and and there's no reason to even have empty fears in your mind because they're just going to come to fruition so i mean i don't know no to answer your question dave no that was beautiful man So, Nick, can you expand on that? Because I see your, your cogs spinning, man. Talk about <laughs> things like that. I'm loving the conversation. No, yeah. but so, like, Andrew, you're basically saying, like, if you don't give it its energy, it, it doesn't grow. Like, then you don't allow it to. You've created a mindset for yourself over all these experiences that you've had in your life to where it's just like, I just get up and do. And, yeah, even if it's there and it's in the background, you don't hear it. You just, you're aware of it, but it's like you operate on another level. I mean, to ride your motorcycle around the world like you have, all through all these countries, to do these tours in Baghdad, to go and just knock out business school, to travel the world with McKinsey. I mean, all these amazing things that I've watched you do in just the short time I've known you. I know there, there. I mean, when you when you say that, I totally believe you because I know there's just a piece of you like that. It, it, you never, you never experience it. It's just like it's not in your vocabulary. What I'm enjoying with the story here that, that you've shared is that, you know, you, you said you experienced, you know, fear when you're in, in, uh, in high school or, or just discomfort and, and then little unknown when you went to West Point and then there's this like fear of public speaking and, and getting confrontational about maybe you didn't, like self-doubt or whatever it was. But the funny thing is, is that when every time you described the success, it was kind of like, I just decided to do it and like and just sort itself out it's kind of like you just stepped into flow at some point you just sort of let go of the 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 resistance that was there and you just you just made a choice it's kind of like you were waiting to decide and then once you just decided it's like well nothing else exists and we what a beautiful place to be in and then how you quoted seneca there and it's kind of the same thing it's like what do you what are you feeding you're just feeding the choice to move forward or you're you know sitting in stagnation and not and not able to decide and, you know. so yeah you described the, that journey of just it was just a quick transition I, I was struggling with this and then at some point i'm just gonna go to harvard or you know <laughs> i love that i mean that's amazing because that's how it should be it should just be simple we just erase everything else and we just know what we want and we go towards yeah i mean i think an example comes to mind and you know i think david told me, hey, let's talk about some of your challenges. And I think one of the biggest ones that in in my life has been overcoming alcohol abuse. I think it kind of started back in the day, you know, just in college a little bit as a good time. And then I think it kind of went through different phases in my life. Uh, over time, when I was working as a consultant, it was kind of a social thing. And um, I was kind of known as the party guy and, you know, always a good time. And um, and so, I mean, my drinking got out of hand and, and, uh, I mean, I'm so thankful that nothing terrible happened, but, um, you know, Marcel and I were on our honeymoon and, and it, it just became evidently clear to me that it had become over time a, a chemical addiction. Um, it had just, it had started as a persona for me in, in the social settings. And then when I found that when I was on a motorcycle trip and I wasn't around the people that I would associate with whenever I would drink a lot, I realized that it was actually a chemical addiction. And I, and I reflected a lot and thought, you know, I've done a lot of really cool stuff in my life. I would hate for it to get derailed by something stupid that I do when drinking, you know? And, um, 
And I, you know, coming back to that question that David asked about fear, I think at that point I felt real fear. I, th I thought, man, I really love my wife, my life that I have, and I would hate for something bad to happen. And so on August 9th of 2019, I just said never again and turned it off, you know, and, and I think, uh, I think, you know, every once in a while, my mom's like, well, Andrew, why don't you have a glass of wine with us? And it's like, mom, it's not, I mean, I could, but it's not really worth it to me. I might, I think that, that self introspection and my fear of something ever going wrong and my fear of not being the person that I want to be and not being the husband that I'm expected to be just says, tells me, no, just don't do it, you know? And, uh, and so I just turned it off after years, after 20, 15 years of, of it being a big part of my life. And I haven't looked back. Um, so I guess the fear really drove me to do something courageous in some ways and, and disciplined. Um, but it, uh, it was something that I struggled with for a long time. When I remember you telling me that you felt like you were finally in the space that you could make that decision, right? Like life finally was where it needed to be finally for that, for that to come to fruition. Yeah. Which, yeah, you, which you just said it, right? I mean, you said, I have a wife and I have all these things. And so your life had changed to the point. I think you had time enough to think all these things, but you know, it's crazy to hear you think, I mean, you do all these other things, you don't get scared, but you're, you are afraid of the things that matter. I mean, I mean, everything matters, but the things that I, I think a lot of people don't tie into our decision-making, right? Like you said, and some of these other things you do and, and you see the bigger picture there. And I'm proud of you, man. When you told me that, uh, when, when you visited in, in the, at the end of last year, I was, I was totally blown away. So. Thanks, man. It's, it's been, it's been good. And, and uh, you know, I fortunately have not had to dive into support groups and things like that because I have a good network naturally. And, um, and uh, I just kind of trust myself to make the right decision. So it's, it's actually been way, <laughs> it's been way easier than I thought. <laughs> like I couldn't picture a world in which I didn't, uh, you know, didn't drink socially or, you know, whatever. And it's now it's like, I just, I just, it's, it's not a part of my life anymore. So anyway. Yeah. But I mean, you, you, you make those choices. Like we're talking about everything else. It just seems like this was just another thing where you, like, you just made up your mind and you were done. Yeah. 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 Feels good. It's awesome, man. It's been That's almost funny. a year already. Yeah. 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 That's Golly. Great. That's awesome. It, it also helps that Marcel is pregnant. So we got our first on the way here in August. And so it's like, you know, I think between the two of us, we were a pretty good team to keep each other accountable. Her, she has no, she has no option. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, it'll be like a year anniversary too, right? Yeah. It's almost spot on, man. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's really Fu cool. Future dad on the way. <laughs> well, it's amazing. I mean, I love, I love that you shared that and you talked about the chemical addiction with it too, right? I mean, so many people that are on this path that they're on and they, they don't realize the kind of impact that it's having and how it's affecting their, you know, their psychology and their choices and their mindset. And, and then to be able to feel that freedom of, of not being in it and changing the identity of, you know, being the party guy or, you know, the guy that has it's fun to be around when you have some drinks and know that actually <clears throat> it's not what defines you. I mean, who you are is at your core, your identity is so much more than our behaviors uh, and our behaviors should we choose the right ones can actually really um, strengthen our identity as well, uh, yeah. Yeah, which is, which is really cool. So I want to bring this full circle, man. So you shared your journey with us. You've shared your, your successes. You've shared uh, some of your struggles. Um, and I asked you a question when you visited in December, and I said, if you could give me, you know, three or four values or characteristics of how you live your life, of how you've been able to achieve everything you have and how you've been able to get through it safely and successfully, I asked you to tell me what those were. Can you give us a couple of those today, Hitch? I yeah, know cur I mean, I, courage for sure, right? You said courage earlier. You gotta, you gotta find the way. You gotta find your own courage, and I think it means something different to everyone. And I think it's just, um, 
putting yourself in a position to where you can make a decision that shows your courage to yourself and, and you internalize the success of it. I mean, like everyone's got to do that. Um, and it, you may have to really just put yourself in, you know, out of your comfort zone. But I think that's a huge part that has defined my journey is just constantly, you know, putting yourself, putting myself in a, in a more challenging position. Um, I think, man, I, I think I've been really blessed and my, my outlook on life has been greatly shaped by the people that I surround myself with. Um, I mean, yeah, Dave, you, you and I really connected a long time ago. And after I saw you again for the first time in a long time this spring, I was like, I just, I get this like real warm feeling from you, man. And it, and, it, and it's like, it's like nothing else. And I just think, you know, Dave, like Dave has that positive energy, but you know, I mean, everyone knows if you stick, stay around, stick around people that just drag you down, it's naturally going to drag you down. And I, I tend to not interact with the people who are constantly posting argumentative stuff on social media, you know, and, and, and things like that. I'd rather hang out with guys like, I mean, major Everett Spain. He used to be a major. Now he's a colonel. He's like one of my mentors in the military and his, his, motto that from like the day I met him to now, which has been 15 years is he, he signs every letter with values and friends, values and friends. That's what matters to him. And like, I could, I couldn't, I couldn't have become the person that I've become if I didn't have a guy like Everett Spain, you know, constantly telling me that values and your friends are what really matter. Um, and then I, I think, I think the next thing is just, uh, always take it to the next level, man. Like if you, if you've got the confidence and you've got the people just always take it to the next level. There's, there's no reason not to. Um, I think achievement reinforces courage. It reinforces self-awareness. Um, people like to see other people succeed and help them succeed. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, um, it's it's definitely worth if you've got the foundation it's definitely worth pushing harder you know um i'm a big fan of stoic commentary and i was reading some articles recently and victor frankel said when we are no longer able to change a situation we are challenged to change ourselves and so it's just like put yourself in that situation that forces you to change yourself and to become better uh, whatever that might be that's a big piece of it so. I love that, man. I love the way you set that up of, of putting yourself in the position to have to make that choice, right? Because a lot of people, they don't even get there. And I'm hearing to your life story and you put yourself in a lot of positions where you just had to make those choices and you grew massively from all those things. So way to bring it together, man. Thank you for that. Like that buddy, that was that nugget right there is huge. And for our listeners, like that's, that's what I wanted to get out of this episode, man, was your, your story is incredible, brother. And I know you have these amazing words of wisdom to give people and I wanted you to give it and you just did. I mean, don't be afraid to take that leap, right? Cause so many of us don't ever take the leap. We just keep thinking about that fear. And you're an individual who's lived their life where like, you don't think about the fear. You just put yourself in the situation. You take the leap, you make the choice and look at where that's paid off for you in your life. And it's incredible, man. It's been a journey. It's been a journey and it keeps going. That's why you're Batman. <laughs> <laughs> yes. As, as close as you're going to get real life Batman right here. Like. What was the, What was the, there was the, there was the one dark night movie where he kept climbing, climbing out of the, the, the hole. He yes. Kept, kept falling. Yes. But man, you just got to persevere. You got to make it happen, bro. Yeah. I love it, man. Andrew, thank you so much, man. This has been awesome. Thank you for sharing your stories and your wisdom and, and uh, I love you for it, man. This is this has been this has been great. Thanks, brother. Hey, this this has been fun for me. If you guys want a third wheel on this podcast, <laughs> sure. I'll bring him on as a regular. Yeah, we might have to take <laughs> you up on that, man. The Dark Knight series. <laughs>
<laughs> you name it anytime, brother. Andrew, it's a real pleasure, man. I, I'm always blown away. And um, I mean, there's not a, a veteran culture at all in Canada. So I know very few people who've, who've served, a few patients that have. And um, I'm always just blown away by the kind of uh, mindset and uh, diligence and consistency that, that it takes to, to be in the positions you guys put yourselves in. So I'm always, I, I love listening to stories that, that, uh, that anyone who's served has been in. It's, it's mind blowing. Um, and to be able to reintegrate is a whole nother thing. So the fact that, you know, you've come as far as you have, uh, despite being in the situations you have, you know, really shows that kind of character that you've chosen to develop. And I loved how you said, just take to the next level. And that's such an important message because we often find a way to stay in complacency because it's comfortable and like you move yourself in discomfort to find a new level. And that's so many messages that you shared today. So super grateful for, for all of them. Thank you. Thanks, Dick. Appreciate it. Hey, and Andrew, real quick with our listeners, share your blog site with all your pictures where you've traveled all over the world. I really want people to be able to, to log on and be able to see those things. Yeah, I've kind of slacked on that a bit. My Instagram's pretty good, and it's it's public. Um, so hitched to ADV, like hitched to adventure, kind of. But um, that's one book. Yeah, but I'll I'll put it on your. We can put it on the blog post, and then uh, I can I can dust off the cobwebs on some of my blog stuff and uh, send it your way. Yeah. So for sure. our listeners, check out his Instagram. The pictures that he's taken on his trips around the world are incredible. You got to check these things out, and it's really just puts a lot of uh, the visual into what this guy's experienced on two wheels so again brother thank you so much this has been a blast uh uh we will see you guys again next week dr duds out thanks for listening if you enjoyed today's podcast please be sure to subscribe to the dr dads and share with your family and friends you can also follow and interact with dr nick and dr david on facebook and instagram for a daily dose of inspiration and the latest in health and wellness be well.